Okay, so just for practice, let's take a minute to find the average velocity for each half hour. So between 0 and 0.5, and between 0.5 and 1, and so on. And in order to do that, we might want to think for a second back to our algebra days. So just to summarize, when we're finding an average speed, you might recall from your algebra days, d equals rt. Distance equals rate times time, and that's an average rate for that amount of time. So, or it doesn't have to be, but usually it's representing a fixed rate. You know, you're traveling 50 miles an hour for five hours. So how far did you travel? That was the, the, how you would start studying these problems. So R could represent an average speed the same way it represents a constant speed. For that amount of time, R is your speed. So if you wanted to find R, the average speed, you would want to take d divided by t. Solving d equals rt for r, you get r equals d divided by t. So find the average speed for each half hour of the trip, and as an example, for the first half hour, the rate would be the distance traveled in that half hour, which was 14.063 miles approximately, and when we divide that by half an hour, it turns out to be 28.126 miles per hour, because why? Because when you divide by a half, you're really just doubling. So it actually will be pretty quick to find your average speeds for each half hour using this technique, the distance traveled divided by the time, just like we did on the hour, but it's just a little less obvious because we're using fractions. All right, so I'm going to let Excel do it for me because I don't like having to do all that arithmetic all the time. So I made a column, delta y, that notice already has our average velocity in it. And then I'm going to need a column, delta x, And let me make that visible for you. Delta x. And so the first delta x would be 0.5 minus 0. The next one would be 1 minus 0.5. The next one would be 1.5 minus 1. So you can see the delta x, since we're doing every half hour, is not changing. So I can actually get Excel to copy this for me by just dragging this down dragging it down like this. Now, I also made a delta y column over here. Now, it doesn't make sense to have delta y for the first point. It's always one point, the next point minus the previous one. So I'm going to say equals this minus that, and hit enter. Now, that is the first half hour's delta y. Now, I'm going to go ahead and get rid of these. I'm going to move them over a couple, so I'm going to cut them and paste them over here to look at if we want to later. Now, I want delta y for each half hour. So the next one would be to take the 44.444 minus the 14.063. Since I already have that formula entered, I can actually click and drag, and it'll copy the same formula. So this is 44.44 minus 14.063, and we can verify that, yes, it's approximately 30 miles between half an hour and an hour's travel. And then we traveled 32 miles in the next half hour, Then it was fewer miles, 23.4 approximately, then only 8.51 in the last half hour. Again, remember, we might be in a school zone or something like that, uh, or bad traffic. And then we have negative again, 100 minus 108.51. So we have negatives for the rest of the trip because we're returning back home. And notice, you might expect to see a zero here. But really, this number, this is delta y, and it's representing the distance you traveled and the direction in the last half hour. So in the last half hour, you can see that you traveled 14 miles, and 
that number of miles between you and the destination was getting smaller, and so that's why it's a negative 14.063 for your delta y. So that's not quite our average speed. You probably, you might be saying, oh, wait a minute, I didn't get those numbers. That's just delta y. And then for your average speed or average velocity, to be more specific, since we're using sine, I'm going to call it the average velocity, I'm going to take the delta y, and I'm going to divide by delta x, which is the same as, remember, doubling the delta y in this case, since we're dividing by a half. And so for the first half hour, 28.126, we already knew that answer. For the next half hour, you traveled 60.76 miles per hour. That's pretty good, right? Maybe, again, we're on the turnpike or something. Then even faster, then slower. Then in that area that we thought maybe is a school zone or maybe had traffic, on average, your velocity was only 17 miles per hour. Then you're returning home, exactly symmetrical. Again, this might not be a very realistic graph because it's too perfect. But then on the final return, notice we have a final speed of negative 28.126, just like our original speed of 28.126. So these numbers are too exact. And the reason why they're so exact is because I made up a contrived problem. I made up this data. I didn't really make up the data. I made up a formula, and then I generated the data. The reason why I used a formula is because there are very specific things I wanted to happen at specific times. And I'll show you that formula in a little bit. But you can see that the numbers, at least for the average velocity, match the graph. And all the data, of course, matches the graph because it came from there. But in general, the graph makes sense, and each of these velocity numbers fits the graph. Faster, faster, slower, slower, now going back in the opposite direction. So in summary, when we want to find the average speed, it's related to the slope of the secant line on the graph. And that's representing, actually, since it has a direction, it's the average velocity, the average rate of change of your position function. And so this should look familiar to you. The rate of change, on average, is the change in position over the change in time, which is delta y over delta x in miles per hour in this case. And then the shorthand for that is m secant, slope of the secant line. Now, what we don't have room for on this long equation is to say average r, average rate of change. but It is written up here in the title. So try to remember that since this is r and it's looking at delta y over delta x, whenever it's a delta y over delta x, that's a slope between two points. And when you're finding a rate of change or a slope between two points, it's always an average rate of change, as opposed to what your speedometer might say. Your speedometer gives you the speed at any instant in time. And so therefore, the speedometer really represents what we call the instantaneous velocity, the instantaneous rate of change, uh, the actual speed as you might think of it. Um, But since we also think about direction, we like to also think about the actual velocity. So the speedometer obviously doesn't do direction, but it does talk about how fast you're going at any one instant in time. So remember, instant in time, instantaneous velocity. And to get an instantaneous velocity, we can't exactly do it with two points. Any two points averaged out give us an average velocity. So we have an issue here. We have to figure out how do we 
represent how fast we're going at any instant in time if we don't have a speedometer to look at or if we don't have a radar detector, which does a pretty good job of estimating the actual speed at any one instant. So this problem of finding out how to measure the instantaneous velocity at any instant in time, how fast you're going, or how quickly any kind of function is changing, this problem is what led our founders of calculus to develop the calculus itself. How do we deal with only having one point? For example, looking at the graph, at this point, at hour two, at that instant, what is the slope of the graph? How fast are you traveling at that instant? If we only have one point, we don't have enough to plug into a slope formula, right? We always need two points to determine a slope. And yet, it's a logical question to ask, how fast are you going at this one point? What is your speed when you're exactly two hours from your starting time? If I wanted to approximate how fast I was going at this instant, the best I could do with these data points is to either look at my average rate of change between one and a half hours and two hours, which notice is kind of is pretty steep, or to look at my average rate of change between two and two and a half hours, which is less steep, or to maybe average those two. That would probably be the best bet is take the average of these two average speeds. But it would be even better if I had maybe more points. What if I had a point, say, halfway in between, or even better, a quarter of the way in between, or an eighth of the way in between two and two and a half hours? What if I keep trying to get closer and closer? Wouldn't it be better if I had more data? So what if I gave you more data? And in essence, what if I smoothed out this curve and made this curve smooth between all these points. And we actually, that is a technical math term, a smooth curve. And we'll talk about um, what, how you can define a smooth curve later on. There's a very specific relationship between what we're leading toward and what we have right here. But what I mean by smoothing out the curve is having more points in between these two times, having more data. I can do that for you because I contrived this problem. I can actually give you all the data in the world for this problem because this problem is based on a formula. Here's the formula for the graph that I gave you just a few data points for. y equals 25 nines times x to the fourth minus 250 over 9 times x cubed plus 625 over 9 times x squared. That's a formula for the graph that I only gave you a few points on. So let's take this formula and work with it on our graphing calculators because when we use our graphing calculators with this formula, we can get more data and we'll get a better way to figure out approximately how fast we were going at exactly hour two in our trip.